My father-in-law, uh, he was a huge baseball fan. He loved watching, playing, and teaching the fundament- fundamentals while coaching baseball. And I remember him putting a ball on the end of a string attached to a stick and telling our young boys as they swung the bat, now, when you swing, make sure that the ball hits, the bat hits the ball. Or on his really extra brave days, he would actually stick his hand out and have them swing the bat to try to hit his hand, just to make sure they were making good contact. Well, at his funeral, the pastor spoke on Genesis 1, titling the message, In the Big Inning. Well, today I would like to go back with you to the big inning, better known as the beginning, uh, all the way to Genesis 1. And as we explore Genesis 1, uh, we see God creating the heavens and the earth out of nothing. And then God creates Light, so that there is evening and there is morning on that first day. And then he goes about creating the sky. And then God creates water and land. And we're told God saw that it was good. And then the third day, God throws in some plants and trees. And he says, yep, that too is really good. And then day four comes and we see God putting lights in the sky, the sun and the moon and the stars. And once again, God says, yep, that's great. And then God lightens up the creation a little bit with birds and sea creatures on day five. And he likes what he sees there. And then day six comes and God reaches the finale of his creation and he makes animals and humans. And yes, he says that too is good. And then day seven comes, and God blesses this day, and he makes it a holy day, and he rests from all his work of creating. In Genesis 1, we have this great story of creation taking place. Not a lot of details on how this all took place, but we definitely get clear on who is in the story. It is God creating. Rachel Held Evans, in the epilogue of her book, Inspired, tells a little story about her sister-in-law, Maki. Maki is native from the Philippines, and here's how Rachel shares Maki's story. If you come for a visit, you will stay. There's no sense in leaving your shoes on. When friends from the Philippines are in town, Maki oscillates between languages with seamless ease. As conversant in Filipino politics as she is on the new iPhone, Christian theology, and the latest dust-up on reality TV. She's also the best listener one will ever meet. With her encouragement, the most mundane recounting of your day will blossom into a tale of intrigue and surprise, all thanks to the magic she gives 
two little words. And then. Make an offhand comment about being stuck in traffic on the way over, and Maki will reply, and then? Tell her you sat for a half hour next to a guy in a station wagon who was clearly listening to the same radio station as you, and then? And then? Commence with a dramatic impression of the flamboyant driver and his impassioned lip sync of Adele's hello, which only drew a little chuckle from you at the time, but which now has 20 Filipinos laughing hysterically as Maki continues to urge, and then, and then, and then. Everyone knows and loves Maki by what has become her signature linguistic tick. I suppose this is why you always leave her house feeling both fuller and lighter. What Maki is actually employing is what Hebrew scholars term the vav consecutive. By putting a vav in front of a verb, it changes the tense and it moves along the story by essentially saying, and then, and then, and then. And we see that in our passage for today. And then there was light. And then God saw that the light was good. And then there was evening and there was morning. And then, and then, and then. Before you know it, Moses is standing next to a fiery bush. And then there's this larger narrative from Genesis to Exodus. Abraham, and then Isaac, Israel, then Jesus. And then there's us. We are living in the and then, after Jesus' resurrection and before his return. We are walking in an unfinished story that began with the Spirit of God hovering over the waters at the beginning of time which took a dramatic turn 2,000 years ago when that same God took on flesh and lived among us and beat death once and for all. We share this story with Peter and Paul and Mary Magdalene. And the stories that we tell aren't just meaningless absurdities, but rather subplots to a grander narrative as the Holy Spirit coaxes us along with a joy-filled and then. As we are looking to close on another year, just over a month from now, I am wondering if you will ponder with me today about the and thens in your life. What has God been up to? You know, last month we explored a little bit about the soul of Rehoboth asking, uh, how is our soul here as a church? And today I'd like us to explore our individual souls and ask, how is your soul? How is your soul with Jesus? At the beginning of this year, I took about a half day to complete something called Year Compass. I can't remember where I found it, but it was on a website, and I downloaded some pages that helped me reflect on the previous year, 2022, and then plan the coming year, this year, 2023. So I first started out by going through my 2022 calendar week by week. 
and writing things down like important events, family gatherings, friendly get-togethers, and significant projects. Then I broke these down into categories like my personal life, friends, career, relaxation, habits. And then I completed a few sentences about the wisest decisions I made, the biggest lessons I learned, the biggest things I had completed. And then I asked questions about my last year. Pictures that I drew of the most joy-filled moments, reflections on accomplishments, and pondered things like forgiveness and letting go of things from the past year. And then I started dreaming about the coming year, goals, things I loved about myself, discoveries and achievements that I wanted to complete, places I wanted to visit, people I wanted to connect with, rewards I'd give myself. One of the things that stuck with me all year was when I wrote these words. This year, I will advise myself to embrace the hard. I don't really like hard, but that's the thing that most stuck out to me from my 2022-2023 compass. Embracing the hard things that come in life. Inviting God into them, trusting he still loves me even when things are hard. Believing what Brene Brown says in her book, Dare to Lead. Here's what she says. When we have the courage to walk into our story and own it, we get to write the ending. And when we don't own our stories of failure and setbacks and hurt, then they own us. My hope for this past year was to embrace all the hard things past and present. Why do I tell you all of this? Well, because God is still writing a story in your life. You are part of the and then. And it's really important to take time to reflect. We often get so busy living out the day-to-day -day stuff that we don't take time to step back to see what God is up to in us. Frederick Buchner says it this way, we are our stories, stories that can be both prison and the crowbar to break open the door of that prison. The past is a prison when we look back at it and look back at ourselves with judgment instead of with compassion. Memory makes it possible for us both to bless the past even those parts of it that we have always felt cursed by, and also to be blessed by it. To acknowledge that our failures can also be success. As Joyce Meyer says, we live our life forwards, but we understand it backwards. As the Philadelphia 76ers like to say, trust the process. It's kind of like this. A few weeks ago, I was invited for the first time to join the Ellen Boss family tradition of making <clears throat> sauerkraut. 
And with such a lofty invitation as this, I didn't think I should turn down such a moment to join in this family ritual. This tradition goes back as far as I can remember and probably twice that. It was started by my grandparents and it continues today with my mom and aunts and uncles. I brought along my fancy KitchenAid food processor thinking we could speed up the process, but I was quickly told that there was no need for fancy, fancy gadgets to chop up these 34 heads of cabbage that we had that day. Nope, the triple blade cabbage cutter has worked for 50 years, and besides, a recent auction down the road had landed a new one to the mix. Even if my uncle did try to cut his thumb off that day and bled through four band-aids, there was no need for such a thing. Two large crocks would also come in handy, as well as two large wooden stompers. At one point I was told I was not stomping correctly as the cabbage wasn't squirting juice into my eyes, but soon enough the juicy consistency was met that day. The crocks were set in the kitchen and would rest there until a thick layer of mold set on top and the house stunk up to high heaven. Trust the process. This is grandma's foolproof recipe that just can't be beat. Recently, Pauline Scott told me of her 14-day pickle-making process, complete with daily juice drainings and addings to make the perfect pickles. I'm sure you have a foolproof recipe or two of your own. You trust the process, and it turns out every time, because you wait patiently for it to reach completion. Any farmer who plants and yields understands that you trust the process. So too in our lives, we are trusting the process God has started within us, believing that he who began a good work in these stubborn hearts of ours will be faithful to complete it. But it does require something of us. Stillness. The willingness to spend time with our Savior. I recently read a statistic that Americans now struggle to be still for more than 15 seconds. 15 seconds, that's crazy. We struggle to be still, to be silent, and to be reflective. Many times because we have a little miniature computer sitting in our back pocket that can easily distract us from sitting with the hard stuff. It is easier to numb the pain in our lives with all sorts of vices rather than face them. And then it's really hard to see the and thens in our life that God is writing if we never stop to be still and to rest in him. I sometimes wonder what made David a man after God's own heart. And one of the conclusions that I've come to is that the reason we have these beautiful writings called the Psalms is because David took time to be still, to reflect, to lament, to submit, to ask for God's mercy upon his sin-filled life, to give thanks, to rejoice, he took the time to be still and to know that 
God is God. And taking time to do this requires intentionality. It requires setting aside a time, a special place, a reflection chair, a fortress of solitude, a submission, a willingness to center our scattered senses upon God's presence in our daily lives. Someone once said that the church is like a swimming pool. All the noise comes from the shallow end. There's a world of difference between the quiet, almost unnoticed nature of the mustard seed and the yeast analogies Jesus used to describe his followers' deep influence on the world and the noisy, surface-level nature of social media sound bites. We have the opportunity to choose which we allow to influence us. Unassuming, unshowy, easily missable, but quietly transformative. That's how Jesus chose to describe the kingdom of God. We know that he often withdrew to quiet places. I love how when God finished creating the world in Genesis 1, we're told he rested. Some have asked, well, does God really need to rest? Well, most likely not. But is he setting a pattern for us as we live in the world? Definitely. Was it good for him to sit back and say, wow, that is beautiful? Yeah. Augustine gave us these words. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. The emptiness within man is a bottomless chasm that can only be filled with the divine. We are made in God's image, and nothing less than God is worthy of serving our fulfillment. So the bottom line of all of this is to simply surrender. You know, we ask you to do a lot of crazy stuff here at Rehoboth. This year, it's been for you to reflect on something called a shape inventory, to sit in the quiet and to reflect upon all of the wiring that God's put into little old you. Your spiritual gifts, what makes your heart pitter-patter, the abilities God has gifted you with, your unique personality, and the experiences you've had. We've also put out all of these all-church Bible studies on Right Now Media. And the great thing about those is, is that you can tune into them while you're getting ready in the morning or driving home from work, after you eat dinner, or before you turn out the lights at night. Walking with Christ, it isn't complicated, but it does take intentionality to invite the Holy Spirit to breathe into the and then of your life. When I meet with couples for marriage counseling, I like to do some uh, reflective activities with them. Together, we usually discover their individual love languages. 
We do a calling card activity, which is always really interesting. We talk about birth order and the various ways we as human beings handle conflict. We talk about in-laws and how the way that we're brought up looks very different than how your spouse was brought up. And just because your family does it one way doesn't mean that that's the right way. It's just the way your family does it. No, really seriously, it's just one way that the laundry could be folded and ironed and put away. There's probably even a couple other ways it could be done. Are these conversations just fluff? Time fillers? Marriage is a huge and then in our lives. A lot changes in that moment. And while I surely don't believe a few sessions of marriage counseling are going to see couples through all that lies ahead in there for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, I do think it can be helpful to give some foresight to the and thens that are coming. As we look ahead to rounding out 2023, take some time to reflect and to look ahead. I like to think about how God is always up to something. He just is. May your Sabbath this year be moments to enjoy the beauty of God's creation and to reflect upon his splendor, to truly rest your soul. Ask God to write a new narrative in your life, one more glorious than you could ever imagine. I don't know where you are in your and then story of life, but I know that God is eagerly waiting for you to invite him into the journey. I'd like to close with a quote from Ruth Haley Barton from her book, Invitation to Solitude and Silence. I like how she describes our need for time with God. As she says, as strange as it may sound, desperation is a really good thing in the spiritual life. Desperation causes us to be open to radical solutions, willing to take all manner of risk in order to find what it is we are looking for. Desperate ones seek with an all-consuming intensity because they know their life depends on it. 2024 is just around the corner. What will your heart chase after next year? To whom or to what will you give your affections? What will it take for you to be able to say, and then I saw all that God made me to be, and it was good. It was really, really good. Will you please pray with me? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the big inning where you started it all, God. We thank you for the and then that you continue to write today into our hearts and into our souls. God, we invite you into that. We invite you into our stories. We pray that you would write something new in us, God. 
something more grand and glorious than we could ever imagine. God, we thank you that you are always up to something. God, we invite you into this into this day, God, into this next week. Fill our hearts with gratitude for your never-ending goodness to us. In your precious name we pray, amen.